Hey everyone, Luke here. This message is about what it looks like to fight the good fight of faith by prophecies or words from God spoken over us by other people. Hope you enjoy. Good to be with you all, and good to see all of you on the live stream. So why don't you turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we are going to start by reading a verse there. Okay. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 18 says this, This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight. When I was 12 years old, my dad took me on a trip to California, and it was a trip that he had been planning for a while. He was wanting to have some father and son bonding time with me, and he ended up doing that with both of my brothers, so it was kind of like our 12-year-old trip. So went with him. He was attending a business conference there, but we had a couple of days of just downtime, and so we got to do a bunch of fun stuff. We visited the Redwood Forest and saw these huge trees. They were like bigger than any tree I've ever seen in my life, 400 feet tall. You know, the trunks are like 14 feet in diameter. And I had been interested in trees at that point. I loved sequoia trees. I'd only seen them in books. And so I didn't get to see the sequoia trees, but the redwood trees were just amazing to see. And so got to do that. I remember one particular thing we did that was really fun. We stopped on the side of a highway and just randomly decided to climb this like 200-foot mountain just for fun. And a bunch of stuff like that. So it was a really great trip. One of the space shuttles, like I was trying to look at the details right before I came up here. I forget which one, but it was in 2002. So one of the space shuttles had, that um, blew up in the air and had a failed mission actually blew up while we were in California. So that was crazy. We wa- I remember watching it on the news. But, but when we went to the convention, the keynote speaker was uh, Rudy Giuliani. He had, it was the year after 9-11, he had been the mayor during that time, and he had written a book, and he was giving a speech, and so we, we watched him speak, and then in the break between the sessions, my dad took me up on the stage, and... Hello. There we are. You know, God must have something really good today because he's really trying to get my microphone off. So, because <clears throat> the enemy is really trying to get my microphone off. So, anyways, where was I in the story? Convention, Giuliani, speech. And then we're, the auditorium was clearing out in a break, and my dad takes me up to the front of the room, and he puts me, he has me stand up on the stage at the podium and look out at all the empty chairs. 
And he tells me to, uh, really what he, what he said to me was, Luke, there's going to come a day where you speak to rooms of people like this, and there's going to come a day when you lead a group of people like this. And then he came up on the stage, and we kind of turned to the side, and we talked more about that for a while. And then about five minutes later, we had become unaware to the fact that as we looked back out, the room had started to fill up. And so it was just a really powerful, special moment between me and my dad. And what was crazy is that I don't, somehow that encounter marked me. That actually, I, it actually resulted in me doing some of the stuff that I do now. Like, it's not like I got back to Cincinnati and a 12-year-old Luke was like, okay, I need to sign up for a public speaking class because my dad told me that I'm going to be speaking to rooms of people like this, and then I went and did that. It wasn't like I did a whole lot of practical stuff like that, but somehow hearing him tell me that in that moment, looking out at the auditorium, it did something in me, and I think I just always believed, yeah, you know what, I think I will speak to people someday. Yeah, you know what, I think I will lead people someday. And so what happened to me as a 12-year-old in California? Was it just like the power of suggestion? Like what did my dad actually do? And what I believe that my dad did in that moment was he spoke over me God's will for my life. He actually said something to me that if God were to manifest and be present, if he would have been present with us like in the flesh, like Jesus in the flesh in that moment, Jesus would have been saying over me, Luke, you're going to speak to people someday. I believe that that is what happened in that moment. And in 1 Timothy 1.18, let's just read that one more time. We started with that. Paul says, this command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, Timothy, the words that have been spoken over you, that were my word, that were God's words, hold on to those and use them to fight the good fight of faith. And somehow hearing what my dad said endured over a lifetime and impacted the way that I thought. And so I want to talk, what does it actually look like to buy the prophecies made over you, by them fight the good fight? What does that actually look like practically? And so as we're delving into that, I want to just take a second and say, I know the word prophecy, for some people, it's something they've heard before, but for others, it might be more foreign and kind of evoke images of like crystal balls and fortune tellers. And then for some, it might bring actually like weird experiences from a previous church or maybe painful experiences from a previous church or ministry. And so I know this term prophecies is not a normal term for a lot of people and it's, it can be strange. But really, when you really understand what prophecy is, prophecy is normal. Prophecy really is not that weird or that strange. It's not this mystical, spooky kind of thing. It really is a simple thing that we actually experience far more than we're aware of. Your prophecy can be as simple as telling a friend, you're going to get through this thing you're going through. 
That can be prophecy. It could also be like, I can remember my mom would tell me when I was a kid, hey, you're going to have a good day today. That can actually be prophecy. And then it can be something that is more specific and more outstanding, like someone telling you, hey, you're going to get a new job opportunity on October 15th, and then October 15th comes, and boom, you get a new job opportunity out of nowhere. But the point is, prophecy can be something simple and normal. And my, my first experience with prophecy actually was pretty normal. I was attending a church event hungover, had smoked weed and drank the night before, was not following Jesus at all. I walk up at the time of the service where there was prayer. I walk up to the prayer team, and these two guys look at me, and they pray for me for a second, and one of them says, um, you have brothers, don't you? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, younger brothers? I'm like, yeah. And he said, you're going to be an example to those younger brothers. They're going to look to you um, as a picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I was like, wow, you got that wrong. You should, you should. And then the other one says, yeah, and you know, I see this David thing on you, and you're going to be leading God's people like King David someday. And again, I'm like, you don't know who you're talking to. I was, you know, do you know what state I'm in right now? Um, but that's all it was. It wasn't someone like waving their hand over my head, and it wasn't someone like shouting. It wasn't someone using like King James Version language, like weird, like, like vows and these and shouts and all that. It was, it was really normal. And so prophecy is normal. It's not something to be afraid of. It's not something to view as only for certain people. It is a normal thing. And now you might be thinking, okay, I understand that, you know, the, uh, the, the words like the examples I gave about a new job on October 15th, I understand, yeah, that can be prophecy, but can, can telling someone they're going to get through a hard situation, can that really be prophecy? Like, like, can that really be prophecy? And yes, and here's what I'd say to that. Prophecy, I think we sometimes get a bad picture of it in our minds. We think of it as it has to be something really miraculous and really supernatural. Like it has to be something where I get information that I never could have known and I share it and it blows someone's mind. But that's does not, that is a part of prophecy, but that is not the whole of prophecy. Really, the gift of prophecy, if you just break it down, simply put, it is sharing with someone what God is saying to them in the moment. It's sharing. So if I, if I'm with you, we're standing here and I'm able to discern what God is saying to you right now, and then I say it to you. That's prophecy. And here's the deal. God is speaking stuff over us all the time. God is actually probably speaking something over you right now. Maybe he's saying, I'm going to provide for you. Or maybe he's saying, I am healing you. Or maybe he's saying, don't be discouraged or have hope. Or maybe he's saying, hey, look out of side of your box. Something new is coming. Like God is always saying things over us. And so when another believer is able to hear that and say it over us, that is what we call prophecy. And so if God is saying, you know, there might be a moment where what God is saying to you is not this crazy complicated thing, but what he's actually just saying is, hey, you're going to make it through this. If you're in a hard time, that might be the very thing he's saying. So when another believer says, hey, I hear God saying that you're going to make it through this, that's prophecy. It's just as simple 
as sharing with someone what God is saying to them. This is what Revelation 19.10 says, if you want to turn there with me. Revelation 19.10. Let's actually read verses. No, let's read verse 10. Verse 10. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. The him in this is an angel. But he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let's focus on that last phrase right there. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Again, a mystical sounding phrase, but it's really not that complicated. So what's the testimony of Jesus? The testimony of Jesus includes what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. That's the testimony of Jesus. What's the spirit of prophecy? That means like the essence of prophecy. So what John, the author here, is saying is that, hey, the essence of prophetic ministry is focused on the testimony of Jesus, is focused on what God has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. And so the way that plays out is, you know, when we share stories about ways that God has come through in our lives in front of other people, what we're actually doing, that is actually a prophetic thing that's happening. What, what I'm doing when I share a story with you about what God has done in my life is I am actually releasing into the atmosphere the faith for that same thing to happen again in your life. Or more simply put, God will use a story of the way he showed up in one person's life to open up opportunities to do that same thing in another person's life. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And that's why it's so important that we share ways that, stories of ways that God has shown up in our lives. You know, I've had people say to me before, Luke, I like your church, I like, but it just seems like you guys brag a lot. Seems like you guys are always sharing stories of ways that God has shown up in your life. And I understand that, you know, from the outside looking in, it can seem like that. But I can, and, and I want to just quick aside, there are people that do brag about what God is doing in their life, and it's not good, and they need to be humbled. But I can assure you that, you know, the vast majority of the time when people here are sharing stories about what God has done in their life, they're not just sharing it to wow a crowd. They're sharing it because they believe in the sharing of it, God's going to do that stuff again in people's lives that are listening. And so I believe I shared that story in the beginning about, you know, even with all the technical difficulties about my dad, I believe that God is going to be releasing powerful life-changing encounters through fathers to their sons as a result of me sharing that story. And it's nothing to do with me. It's, what, it's just how God has chosen to operate. Testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. What he's done for me, he'll do for you. We're all, you know, he, is, he does not show favoritism. And so that's kind of a portion of prophecy. But then the testimony of Jesus, it doesn't just include what God has done. It includes what he is doing and what he will do. So when I look at you and I say, hey, I... I discern or I've become aware through God supernaturally making me aware that he is doing this in your life, then that is the gift of prophecy in operation. Or if I say, hey, God has shown me that he's going to do this thing in your future, 
That is the gift of prophecy in operation. So it really is just as simple as sharing with someone what God is saying to them in that moment, either about their past, their present, or their future. That's prophecy. Now, caveat, there are many times that we are wanting a prophetic word, but God is saying, just get in my word. There are many times we want to hear something, we want to have an experience, we want to hear, and he's like, have you, you know, have you spent some time in my word yet? And so we need to never let prophetic words compete with the word of God. They, they always were meant to operate in unison. And, you know, eight times out of ten, if I need to get encouraged in a situation, I will just go read my Bible. I'll just spend time studying, you know, whatever chapter comes to mind. And there have been time after time. I could share so many examples of times where I went in with needing an answer to something, read this passage that was written 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago, and gotten the answer I needed. But then there are times where, you know, as much Bible as we could read, we're probably not going to find the answer there. Why? Because God wants to speak it directly to us. And that's where prophecy is so vitally important. So that's kind of like a review of prophecy. Now, the verse we read, Paul was telling Timothy, hey, Timothy, by those prophetic words that have been spoken over you, by those prophecies, fight the good fight. And so what does that actually look like? What does it look like to fight with prophecies? It seems kind of a strange thing. And so I want to read Luke 2, a bunch of it, to kind of set this up. Now, you can turn there with me if you want. Now, this is a Christmas passage, and so I know it's illegal for me to be sharing it not, you know, in June, but we're going to talk about it anyways. So, uh, try to stay with me. I know when you're reading a passage you've heard a million times, it's easy to, for your mind to wander. I mean, if your mind wanders, it's okay. But verse 8, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Here's the important part right here. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but, everyone say but, all across the live stream, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Another translation says, but Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. So what's going on here? So God was doing something pretty amazing, and, um, and he had revealed it to Mary and a bunch of people that 
were around. Obviously, the amazing thing was Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, was coming into the world, right? And so I want to talk a little bit about what did it mean that Mary treasured what had been told her. But before I even get there, um, I really believe that what God did through Mary physically, so like Jesus being birthed by Mary and conceived by Mary and the Holy Spirit, I believe that what God did through Mary physically is actually symbolic for what God intends to do through every believer spiritually. So stay with me for a second. What God did in Mary physically is what he wants to do in you spiritually. What does that mean? That means that God's desire is that a word he's speaking over you, usually like about your calling or your destiny, like your, the word he's speaking over your life. Maybe he's speaking over, you know, Micah, hey, show my people how to behold me. Maybe he's speaking over Wilson, release my power in the streets and see the lost saints. Whatever it is, like the word that God is speaking over your life, it's God's desire that that word would actually birth in you, or, you know, this might sound weird, but impregnate you, that you would become impregnated with that word that he's speaking over you. And that word is really just an aspect of his character and his nature. And so once he speaks that word over you and it's, you know, it's birthed in you, then it's your job to carry that word or steward it or treasure it until it comes to maturity. And when it comes to maturity, the word will be birthed into reality. And that is what will change the world around you. Are you guys with me? Do I sound like a mad scientist? Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Tori. He said yes. So, so God wants to like impregnate you with the word he's speaking over you so that as you birth that word upon carrying it and stewarding it, you change the world around you. And this is for every believer. God wants to release a world-changing vision and put a world-changing dream in every believer. And I mean everyone. Everyone is everyone. There are no just normal, basic Christians who live a pretty uneventful life. I mean, there are, but it's, that's never like God's intention. God's intention is that every believer would release a God-sized dream into the earth and change the world around them. And I know that there are some watching this that have lost faith, faith in that. Maybe there was a time that you were seeing God move through you, and then some stuff happened, and it's been a while. God wants to restore that dream in your heart. God wants to use you again. Or maybe you've been really burned and hurt, and so you are feeling like you don't want anything to do with you know, ministry or whatever. You know, God wants to use you. And I know some of you, you just never consider the fact, God, God would never want to change the world through me. Yes, he does. God wants to change the world for you, through you, no matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what's going on in your life right now, no matter what your past looks like, God wants to change the world through you. And I believe if we learn to value these words that he is speaking, if, you know, first, if we learn to hear them, and then we learn to value them, I believe that um, the world will change around us. Now, I know some might be skeptical. Okay, 
a prophetic word, like a, someone shares something what they think God is saying to me, are you really saying that that is able to change my life or change things around me? Like, like it can feel kind of hard to believe that, like, that one word can change your life. But if that's you, just consider for a moment, you know, how easy is it for the devil to do that to us? How easy is it for the enemy to change the course of our life with one word? What I'm talking about is, um, I mean, I can remember the first time someone said to me in middle school, you look weird. And you know what? I treasured that word. I thought about it a lot. And, you, and it impacted me. It impacted the way that I thought. Or maybe you've heard the word, you're a failure. You're not good for anything. You're rejected. You know, the enemy does the same thing in the opposite way. The enemy is constantly trying to get negative words spoken over us, get them into our thinking so that we meditate on them, literally let them continue to flow through our minds and then negatively affect our life and the lives of people around us. And so if the enemy can do it, why can't God do it? And here's the thing. When we really treasure the words that God is speaking over our lives, they have exponentially more impact on us in the world than anywhere the enemy would ever speak. And they can actually battle against the words the enemy is speaking over us. And so, so yeah, we got we to gotta value and treasure those words. <clears throat> I, I'm going to back up for a second. I want to share an example. From age... Zero until eighth grade, I was a really good kid, mild-mannered, didn't get in trouble, always, you know, not always told the truth, but told the truth a lot. But then in eighth grade, I lost two of my best friends. How did I lose them? They were kids I hung out with every day, and um, all of a sudden, kind of out of nowhere, their mom told me that I was not a good influence on them and couldn't hang out with them anymore. Well, she didn't really tell me that. She told my parents that. And my parents told me that. You're a bad influence. And I wasn't, like, drinking. I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't stealing anything. What had led up to that was uh, 12-year-old Luke, or however old I was, 13-year-old Luke, had put a bunch of cuss words on AOL Instant Messenger and sent a message. Was it right? No, shouldn't have done that. But it wasn't anything crazy. But then I, you know, I'm not allowed to hang out with my friends anymore. I hear, you're a bad influence. And guess what? Within a year, I was drinking, doing drugs, stealing. Words can have a powerful impact over our lives. And we have a choice whether we're going to steward and value the words the enemy is speaking over us or the ones that God is speaking over us. I think you know which ones we need to value. So, What does it actually look like to treasure words, to treasure the words that God is speaking over us? Well, we need to make sure we're not just being excited by prophetic words we receive, but we're treasuring them. It can be so easy just to hear someone say, hey, I think God is going to use you to change nations and be like, wow, that's awesome. Never think about it again. That's been me so many times. There have been so many prophetic words that I do not remember that I got. Now, I'm not saying that you know, you're sinning or you're, make, you're committing this egregious thing if you 
This egregious mistake if you forget a word someone spoke. But if you don't hardly remember any of them, that's probably not good. You're probably not treasuring them. And so we got to learn to treasure these words. And treasuring words are whole, what it looks like is wholeheartedly embracing the word, even if I can't wrap my head around the word. You think Mary could, could wrap her mind around the fact that the Holy Spirit was going to impregnate her and that she would give birth to God? <laughs> Do you think she could wrap her mind around that? No. But what was her response when the angel told that to her? Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. We don't have to understand it. We, don't, we can get a word and be like, I have no clue how that's ever going to happen. And God will make it happen. But, and God will make it happen if we steward it and we treasure it and we embrace it. Now, that was a big statement I just made. Quick, another caveat. I believe that there are some words that God gives us that no matter what we do, we can run the other direction 100 miles per hour and that word is still going to happen. You know, it's kind of it's like I imagine, um, well, I'm going to save the metaphor. Before, I'm going to explain three, uh, two other kinds and I'll explain the metaphor. Secondly, I believe that God can partner with us in accomplishing a word in our life where he does the vast majority of the work and we only do a little bit. And then I believe there are words where it's almost like a 50-50 partnership, where God speaks a word over us, we have half of the ownership in actually seeing that word happen. So I think there's like three, those are like three categories you could put prophetic words in. And it's kind of like, imagine, you know, the last one, the 50-50 partnership is kind of like when my dad and I do things together now. Like, he might still have like 55% and I'm 45%. He still knows more than me. He's still mentoring me. But I am, I might be stronger than him physically now. And so I have a very big contribution in the work we do together. Also, there were times when my dad taught me how to do stuff like cut the grass when I was like eight years old. And as he's teaching me and showing me, I'm barely doing any of it. He's doing almost all of it, but I do have a portion of it. That's kind of that second category. But then there was stuff my dad was teaching me when I was a baby and don't remember it and couldn't participate in it at all. And sometimes that's how God does stuff in our lives too. And so I'm not saying that every prophetic word you get, you can like screw it up or you can, if you don't act on it, it won't happen. But there are some that are like that. There are some words that God is speaking over us. And if we don't treasure it, He's going to take that word and actually put it on someone else. Why, yeah, that, why, why that? Because Isaiah 55 says that no word that God speaks ever falls flat. That every word he speaks accomplishes its purpose. And so if God speaks a word over me and I don't treasure it and it ends up not happening, that, that word didn't fail. God's just taking that word and putting it on another person. And I believe that a bunch of us actually have words on us that were on someone else and, and they didn't complete whatever assignment they had been given. Okay, let me get back to my notes. So, <laughs> so treasuring the word, wholeheartedly embracing it, even if, you can't hap, um, even if you can't wrap your head around it. So for example, if God says to you, you know, say you come to church or wherever and someone looks at you and says, you know, I feel like God is saying that you're gonna have an impact on the nations. If you get a word like that, 
Here's what it looks like to embrace it. One, tell yourself, I believe God is capable of doing that through me. Don't know how, don't know when, don't know where, but I believe God is capable. And then two, whatever the journey is to me, seeing that fulfilled, I'm down. I'm, I'm all about it. That's what it looks like to treasure the word. So fighting the good fight by the prophecies made concerning us, what does it look like? It looks like Mary. Don't understand this. Don't see how it's going to happen through me. But here I am, Lord, your servant. May it be with me according to your word. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I ask in Jesus' name that you would speak over all of us. I even ask that you would release prophetic words in families and in groups of people that are watching this right now. And that, um, yeah, so if, you're, if you are watching and you feel like God put something on your heart for someone in the room with you or someone not in the room with you, I'd encourage you, share it with them, text them, whatever. I believe God is... Um, is releasing destiny and calling over people right now. So I, I ask for all of that just to settle into our hearts, into our minds, Lord. Let us be, let us hear your voice and give us the courage to act on these words. In Jesus' name, amen. Great being with you all this morning. Great um, having all of you on the live stream. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you, at least a portion of you, in person next week.